There's no power like the power of Jesus. I love that. We, we've been worshiping. There's been some worship up yeah. in this room. Uh, this is the part of the service where I normally would greet the campuses. <laughs> but we've got the campuses right here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've got worship leaders. Brianna, you're from Columbia. And Jairus, you're, what, Irmo? And Cole, I see you up here drumming at Mount Pleasant. Jeremy, you're Manning. Tara, obviously Mount Pleasant, and uh, then also Chris and Rachel, who are a part of our Mount Pleasant campus. And so we've got the campuses here, and now our, our kind of our new normal is that um, our campuses are the Facebook campus and the YouTube yeah. campus and the <laughs> yeah. Church Online campus. That's the new normal for us. So here's a question. How are you doing with your new normal? You know, what is it? PJs till noon, and then you change into your favorite sweatpants and that holy T-shirt, and you start binging on Netflix, and, and some of you, let's get honest, are wishing that the Tiger King had more than seven episodes, right? <laughs> you know, when this thing first happened, uh, it was kind of like a snow day, right? You, know, you remember snow days? We had a lot of them in Charleston, but man, you, you know, the kids are home, and you don't go to work, and it's just fun. And uh, But snow days, snow melts, and this hasn't. In fact, we're weeks into it now, and the new has worn off. In fact, what I'm noticing is that discouragement uh, comes up. Have any of you felt that? I know yeah. I know, I have. It begins to set in. A lot of us are, are grieving. Uh, we're grieving the past. Uh, last week, I looked at an Instagram post by uh, my cousin from California, Amy, and and uh, it was her little girl, Sienna, and I think Sienna's six, seven, eight years old, something like that, and it was a little piece of paper, and here's what Sienna wrote. She said, here is the story. Once upon a time, there were two BFFs, best friends forever, <laughs> and they played almost every day after school, but one day that changed. And churches started closing down, and schools too, and no more playdates happened, and no more contact with people. The end. Mm. Her mama said, you know, she understands it a little bit, but she's having a hard time processing it. I think we all are. There's a new normal, and, and, and we don't really like it. You know, what's interesting is we plan our series out uh, early in the year or late last year, and we planned a series uh, called um, Take Heart, uh, and it was for right now. And as you're going to figure out, this series is custom tailored to what we're going to uh, what we're going to talk about. The setting on it is the 16th chapter of John, and uh, it's a grieving community. Uh, Jesus is coming down toward the end of his time uh, here on earth in uh, John 14, 15, 16, 17. He's got the disciples in and he's kind of giving them uh, what's going to happen and a little bit of a pep talk. And, and he's in verse 6 of John 16, it says, they were filled with grief. Why were they filled with grief? Because he said he's leaving. And uh, Jesus tells them that their grief is soon going to turn into joy. And the, the passage where he does that is kind of the foundation for the series that we're going to do for the next few weeks. And I want to read it. It's John chapter 16, verses 32, 33. 
uh, and you can follow along either in your your Bible there or uh, on our on our app online if you've got that. But it says this: Jesus says, "A time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home." <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> was that then? Yeah, that was then. But it's a very specific to now also. He said, listen to this, you will leave me all alone. And yet I am not alone for my father is with me. Then he says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The series is called Take Heart. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. So here's the question. How can I be encouraged when I'm feeling discouraged? How can I take heart when the future seems to be so uncertain? And what I want to do today is, is, is I want to give you three mindsets uh, from this scripture that will help you to take heart. Three things that I think will help you today to overcome the discouragement that you may be feeling. And here's the first one. The first one is this. I can take heart. I can be courageous because I know that Jesus has gone before me. I know that Jesus has gone before me. You recognize this phrase? To boldly go where no men have gone before. <laughs> That's a wonderful phrase for, you know, Captain Kirk or Spock or great for Star Trek movies, but it's not as useful for real life. You know, I, I, um, I remember growing up and I still relate to this a little bit. Um, I'd be playing with some friends or maybe some of my cousins and uh, we were getting ready to jump off of or into something that you probably shouldn't. And some some of my friends loved going first, okay? And some of you loved going first. You have issues. And you still do. <laughs> and you're paying stupid tax probably today. But the, but the rest of us would say what? You go first. You And, and if you live through this, I'll, I'll follow. I'll, I'll jump. I'll, I'll do, you know, whatever. I, I can remember... Um, one Christmas, we went. We'd always get together as a family, and my uncle lived in uh, New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and they just built a brand new house. Brand just finished it, and and uh, we'd opened our Christmas presents, and and the parents were going to go to I think El Paso for a couple of hours, and and so they left us in the house alone. About twelve years old, I was the oldest, I think, or my cousin and I, and so and so you've got you've got a new house a new dartboard, and no parents. And I can remember my cousin saying, let's take this picture off the wall in the living room and we can hang the dartboard where that was and we can play darts here and something inside of me says, this isn't going to end well. This is not good. You go first. And you know, he did. And then I did. And he did. And we played for probably a half hour, maybe an hour. And uh, that fresh painted wall had little holes all in it. Now, when we, when parents got home, they didn't do reminders back then. Anybody remember that? I mean, they wore us out. You go first. You go first. Another phrase that kind of goes with that, it's actually a question, is, is what's the worst that could happen? Okay? 
What's the worst that could happen in, in your world? Maybe there's an opportunity that you're, you're facing right now and uh, you're thinking about, should I jump? Should I not? What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst blow that the world can deal? Well, in Jesus' time and in our time too, the very worst thing that could happen would be death, would be death. And yet Jesus overcame the worst that could happen. Yeah, right. In fact, the Apostle Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 repeats uh, probably the most important creedal formula. Creedal formula, what is that? Like the Apostles' Creed, you know, we say the Apostles' Creed together. And that was written about 300, 350 years after Jesus rose from the dead. Well, Paul is going to quote one that they started saying within days, within weeks of when Jesus rose from the dead. Here's what he said. He said, for I have received what I pass on to you as of first importance. He said, I received it. Who did he receive it from? He received it from either Peter or James not long after he uh, made a commitment to Christ. And he received this. And apparently it was something that people were receiving and saying, receiving and saying. Here's what he says. He says that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, and most of whom are still living. They're among us during his time, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to the apostles, all of them. And the last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally uh, born. And so, and so what, what he's saying is that I'm passing on to you what has been repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated so our children will know. So our ancestors will know that Jesus died. He took the worst that the world could give Amen. and he rose from the dead. That's the story of Easter uh, from last week. But you know what? Many would go to their deaths affirming what they had seen. In fact, that's how I came to Christ is really studying this. I was raised in a Christian home, but you always go through your own things. And when I graduated from high school and before I started college, I, I thought I, it's dad's faith. I'm not sure. But the thing I couldn't get away from is the fact that there were people there who died, sometimes horrible deaths, because they had witnessed Jesus' resurrection. And they weren't afraid of death anymore. Because there was a greater one who had come, who had defeated death. They took their courage from the message of Easter. And here's what I'd say to you. I'd say if you don't have the hope of eternal life, you will never have the courage to stand your ground. And you're going to need it. You know, there are going to, whether it's resistance from people or principalities or powers uh, in your workplace, at school, wherever it is, there are going to be times when you're going to need courage. And if you don't have the hope of eternal life, you'll never have the courage to stand your ground. Not only from resistance outside, but my biggest resistance, I don't know about you guys, is from the inside. Mm -hmm. You know, that comes from your own mind telling you that you can't. Mm -hmm or you won't, or you won't ever. See, Jesus came to overcome the ultimate resistance, and he says to his disciples, take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah, you know, 
is there an aspect of this new normal that you need to have more courage facing? Maybe it's worry that your job won't be there after this is over. Or maybe it's that you're not sure that you can emotionally survive the next few weeks of, uh, or months maybe of uncertainty. Or maybe it's the fear of the virus itself and what it will do to you or a loved one. Maybe you're in a higher risk category. Well, you can take heart. And I can take heart because Jesus has gone before. I can also take heart because I know that God's going to use this for my good. God's going to use it for my good. Jesus said to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have Peace. See, there's nothing more peace evoking during challenging times than knowing that whatever happens, that God is going to work it out for my good and for his glory. See, it produces peace in you when you lose your job. It produces peace in you when you lose a loved one. I've been there. It produces peace in you when you've lost your way. You know, uh, in this coronavirus, God used an Old Testament story uh, to prove a New Testament principle for me early on in this. Uh, when it first began, I had a lot of questions. Uh, in fact, the very first week when we uh, quit doing church like we used to, I'm not going to say we canceled church because we haven't. In fact, more people are going to church right now than have ever gone. Last weekend, over 50,000 people experienced the resurrection together at Seacoast. And it's not unique to us. Churches are growing all over the place because people need hope. And you may be one of those that you're looking for hope. But I know I had a lot of questions. How do you do church without buildings? I remember that First week, uh, Josh Surratt, Josh Walters, they were out of town and they said, you're in charge. <laughs> Make a decision. What do we, I call the mayor. I called a couple of mayors. I said, what do we do? How do, how do we handle this? And then once we do, how do, how do we do church mm-hmm. without buildings? I mean, we do everything with buildings. We have classes with buildings. We, we do next steps with buildings, inside track and, and we meet together. How are we going to do this? And then I remember after preaching that first week and going, okay, we can pull off the weekend. I know that we can. How can we take care of people? Mm-hmm. I remember being awake some nights, middle of the nights, going, are the people going to scatter? Mm-hmm. Is the enemy going to use this to just to just tear down courage and tear down confidence? And, and if we've got to be in our homes, how can we as leaders? And, and I thought, you know what? As a pastor, here's where I want to be. I want to be in a hospital. Mm-hmm helping people, caring for people. And now we can't even go in. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to do this? Am I up to the task? And and it was in those moments, I was doing a quiet time and, and I read Joshua chapter three and four. And in that passage, Joshua is an inexperienced leader and he's following a legend, Moses. That's, that's not a good thing right there. Uh, and his first task as an inexperienced leader is to get the people of Israel into the promised land across the river, right? And the problem is it happens to be at high tide. That's a little inconvenient. Would you agree with that? You know, have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like, God, if this is your will, why is it so hard right now? 
He had to have felt that. Just because it's hard doesn't mean necessarily that you're outside of the will of God. Yeah, that's good. And so Josh was facing this massive task. How am I going to get these people from here to there? And he's got to be hearing the grumbling of some of the people. You know, Moses would have planned better than this. (laughs) Moses wouldn't have done this during high tide. Moses would have gotten us through. Remember, he hit the water with a stick. And are you going to hit it with a stick? And Joshua's, no, that's not the direction of God this time. People say, I wonder if this guy's really got the stuff. Not to mention his own insecurities and, and his own butterflies. Every time, let, let me let me tell you something. Every time I preach, I have butterflies. <laughs> Every time I try to do something that I feel is is new or that where God is leading me, that, that's part of the process. Tara, I don't know if that that way with you. Maybe you're totally. Yeah, yeah. But uh, God pulls him aside, and here's what it says in Joshua three seven. The Lord told Joshua, "Today, I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses." He addressed his insecurities. He addressed the issues of the people, and he said, you know what, uh, this this rising river, this hard circumstance isn't really a surprise to me, and I'm going to use it for your good. I'm going to use it to establish your leadership and your credibility, and all God needed Joshua to do was just to be courageous, just to take heart. Not to crater to the voices around him that doubted his ability. Not to cave in to his own self-doubts and his fears for the future. And I want to tell you something. That's a word for somebody today in your home. See, you're worried about your career. You're worried about your business. You're worried about your team. You're worried about your family. Okay? There's a new challenge ahead, and you're not sure how it's going to turn out. Let me tell you something. God wants the same thing from you as he wanted from Joshua. All he wants is for you to take heart, to have courage, to have peace in Jesus, that he will work it out for your good and his glory. In fact, he may use this crisis like he did with Joshua to establish your credibility. See, often it's the crisis that creates the leader, and that may be you. You know what? I can take heart. I can have courage because Jesus has gone before me because God will work it out for my good. Let me give you one more reason. And this is so good. I can have courage because I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. You know what the saddest part about this virus is to me is how it separated us. Now we're kind of separated here in a way, but for most of the time, we're separated in our homes. Uh, our our uh, uh, leaders of our town and leaders of our state said that it's essential for you to produce services for the weekend, and so we're good here. But for the most part, we're 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 apart. We've been set. This virus has separated us. In fact, this virus is a living picture of what sin does. Sin separates us. 
We weren't created for social distancing. We better do it now. I've got this little, uh, what do they call it, uh, muff or something that I wear and put it on. When I go into a store, it looks like I'm a robber. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, take somebody down, and I can't breathe by the time I get out of there. You know, and and we're gonna do it, but we weren't created for it. In fact, uh, we have a little puppy that we just happened to get. Uh, just before this coronavirus came. And in some senses, he's a godsend. In other senses, I think he's of the devil. I really do. <laughs> All he wants to do is bite. You know? But uh, I walk that dog every day for human, hoping I'll have some human interaction, <laughs> hoping that somebody out there will be walking their dog and we can stay across the street, but I can at least talk to somebody. You know what I'm saying? I saw this meme. I love the memes during this time. That's the best part of this thing. But I saw this meme. It's got a picture of, you know, a guy with his, his dog in the kitchen, the dogs up on a cabinet. And the dog says, no, I'm not coming down. We've been on 20 walks today. Leave me alone. <laughs> Terry, your birthday was Easter. Yeah. And on Easter Sunday night, Easter Sunday afternoon, we got a notice that, hey, we're having a birthday party for Tara. And I thought, well, we can't do that. I said, no, it's a drive through birthday yeah. party. So we got in our car, anything to get out of the house, right? And uh, and people made signs, and we just drove through. It was so awesome. <laughs> it took, what, what, five minutes, 10 minutes? I was there 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. But it was so wonderful mm -hmm. because we were able, because we are not created for um, for this isolation, mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna do it until it's safe. We're not created for, it. and I can't imagine how some of you must feel right now. I can't imagine being single and um, and and living uh, alone during these times, um, especially if you're a single ex extrovert <laughs> mm -hmm. and you're living alone and and you're wondering when is this going to be over. I can't imagine being married and the tension is so high in your home that you wish that you could be anywhere else but where you are. And you know who I'm talking about right now. In the words of the great theologians, Three Dog Night, <laughs> one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. I think about the thousands of people who have died and are dying alone in a hospital somewhere. See, in my mind, there's nothing worse than dying alone. Well, Jesus addressed the loneliness issue in John chapter 16 and verse 32. He's, he's predicting what's going to happen. And he says, you're going to leave me all alone. And he's, he's thinking about and projecting that night in Gethsemane when everybody left and he's by himself. In fact, Peter, who said, I'll never do it, he's gone. And he has to face his fate all alone. Look at it. He says, you will leave me all alone. And yet I am not alone for my father is with me. Amen. Here's the thing. Jesus was constantly aware of the unseen presence of God the Father in his life. And it gave him courage to face the difficult situations. And if you're going to have courage, if you're going to take heart, you've got to get good at focusing on the unseen. Mm 
I love that story in the Old Testament of Elisha, the prophet. You remember that? He was surrounded by an enemy. His whole town was surrounded by uh, an enemy, and they were, they were coming to get him, and it wasn't going to be good. And he's sleeping, and his young assistant goes outside, and he sees all these soldiers and all these chariots, and he's totally alarmed. And he comes in, wakes up the prophet, and the prophet says in 2 Kings 6 and verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I've just been, I've seen, you need to be afraid. He says, no, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hmm. About that time, that servant, servant is thinking, early onset dementia right here. <laughs> I know it's happening. And Elisha is saying to him, you need to go outside and do a recount. And so God opens his eyes. And you know the story. He goes out and he sees the angels of God and the army of God. And it's just massed everywhere. And ultimately, God gets the glory and wins the victory. Well, here's my question. Was that just a unique event for Elisha back then? Could we have the same experience today? Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14 kind of answers that for us. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Yes, that question. And the answer to the question is yes. All angels, those angels that were there for Elisha, guess what? They're in this room right now. And they're here as ministering spirits to serve those who will inherit salvation. Listen to me. No matter how alone you feel. You are never alone. No one has ever died in this coronavirus alone. Mm -hmm. There were ministering angels. Mm -hmm. There were mm -hmm. servants that, that were serving. I believe God's heart is broken, Amen. but he does more than just step back with a broken heart. He steps in yeah. with comfort yeah. and care. See, God's promise to Joshua is God's promise to you. In Deuteronomy 31, in verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I brought a coffee cup with me. It actually has water in it right now. I already had my coffee. But this this cup is the sermon, really, as I was drinking it this morning. On this side, it says, the Lord himself goes before you. And on this side, it says, he will be with you. He will not fail, and he will not abandon you. That's Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. See, Jesus owned that truth. Jesus knew you will you will not leave, you will leave me all alone you you you'll do it you'll fail me but I will not be alone for my father is with me so, good. so what if you change the narrative when you face discouraging circumstances maybe the new normal instead instead of this is scary I don't think I can do this I feel so alone. What if you change that narrative to something like this? I know that Jesus has gone before me, and he has overcome the world. 
I know that God is going to use this for my good. And I know that I am never alone. God himself is with me. There are angels everywhere in the home where you're sitting, maybe in that apartment where it feels so lonely and you're by yourself. There are angels everywhere. Do you think that would make a difference? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We're having trouble right now. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you for this wonderful group of people who are gathered in homes all around our country. In fact, all, all around the world. God, this is a, a difficult time. This is a hard time that you predicted that we, we would encounter. And Lord, these are times that our hearts would easily fail. We felt discouragement at times and we felt, um, as though, uh, you know, where, where is the hope? Our faith seems small. God, we're going to take, take heart. We're going to take heart from your word that Jesus overcame the world. And so will we. We are not alone and you're going to use this to our, our good and your glory. And so God, I pray that your kingdom would come in every home. Mm-hmm. and that your will would be done in every life. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.